Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We just have a good rhythm together, you know. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And, uh... We go for it. Hello and welcome to episode 33, season four of The Worst Idea of All Time. I'm so happy to be here. Can you hear Can you hear that? That's the sound of Tim and I shaking hands in the flesh. Together we're touching. As we sit 34 floors above South Bank, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. A swift 34 floor drop to escape <laughs> The prison in which we currently sit. You can hear the sounds of progress as Melbourne charges ahead. A city of the present, yes, but also a city of the future. It is the world's second most livable city. It's After? Take, uh, Vienna now. Really? Yeah, I learned that in Stu Dolman's show last night. Every year he talks about how Melbourne is the most livable city in the world. Um, shout out to Stu. Shout out to his show. In a um, an ocean of a really bad day, his show was a beautiful oasis. So, Tim, you had a bad day yesterday. Terrible day. You and you. Well, not terrible. Terrible is too too harsh. You'd, was, you'd just arrived in Melbourne. Just How a, did you feel when you arrived in Melbourne? I was up against it. There were was you, a lot going on. Were you? Did you get the opportunity to be excited and happy to be in the second most livable city on earth? I sent you a message, which you will remember, on Facebook. I said I'm having a beer. At an airport bar, and I forgot how much I enjoy having beers in airport bars with my guy Monty, and I'm so looking forward to having a, a beer with you. Mm. Um, so I was excited; it was great. And then the tax department kept trying to ring me in the airport. And I kept missing their call. Yeah, you had a run. You had a run of little, just little moments, lot, little annoying things. moments. A lot of little well, things. The good news is that you sort of you've you've cleared your you've cleared your schedule. Yes. And you made time for one of the bigger annoying moments in your life. I'm also not going to jail. It was a very small matter. I just I never thought you were going to jail. That's I good. mean, I would be so impressed if you were executing Freud the level of which demanded a prison sentence so while we were maintaining our friendship as we have been. I don't have the stomach for it. I really don't. But you've got the capacity. You just don't have the constitution. I don't have the capacity either. But I could maybe grow the capacity. I could read a few books. I do not have the stomach for that kind of thing. I get worried if someone's mad at me. Yeah. I, I like. I need to resolve. Funny you that. say that. I've always thought that you handle it, that you handle uh, conflict pretty well in that respect. 
I think I think you you sort of respect other people's rights to feel how they feel, and you know you are very at ease with the fact that you aren't in control of some of those elements. That's true, but I will do everything in my power to make sure that we call between Timbat and the rest of the world. Yes, sometimes to my detriment, I think. Well, I yeah, not what I we're guess, here to talk about. No, but it it is interesting to me. More interesting mm. than the movie we just watched. Uh, so we didn't actually... And can you believe this? Despite being in the same city with the same amount of time cleared on our schedule for the first time in a long time, we didn't even watch the, the, the bulk of the movie together. No. What, could you articulate what your experience was like, Tim? Wake up. Where Look you wake at the clock. Up. I'm in uh, Brunswick, beautiful, trendy, hip suburb that I haven't been able to like. Um, exploit yet that's where I'm sleeping at my mate's place in, in his lovely spare bedroom wake up at uh, 20 minutes to 10 start feeling doing... like P. Diddy <laughs> yeah um, no actually because I was hungover okay. so I was feeling P. Less. Diddy probably does feel hungover that's true if his hard partying lifestyle that's promoted is anything to believe what's Sean Combs up to these days he's got a, a, a luxury line of vodka Oh, yeah. or I, I don't even know if it's vodka, it might be tequila, but he's got like a boutique spirit Fuck and he man, is doing every, very well. Everyone is in that game, eh? Dan Aykroyd brought out a the vodka. crystal scale vodka, yeah. yeah. Dan Aykroyd. He's the opposite of hip hop. He's got a vodka. Yeah. He was funny. Yeah, he was. Probably I isn't think, anymore. Um, I get it. I, I can't point to any exact things off, off top of my dome, but I get the sense he's got some some um, probably quite outdated opinions on life. Yeah, Did he get I, remember, I read a few years ago or something. Possibly, I read like an encyclopedia style, but also written as a a sort of a presentation of the facts uh, book about it, the uh, Saturday night. Saturday Night Live year, the yeah. early years, and he was sort of he arrived on the scene as a bad boy. Oh, true. Um, from the wrong side of the tracks. I think he was part of that group that did a lot of coke with Slack. Absolutely, and it seems to me that a lot of fairly? the guys, a lot of the the uh, the young bad boys, or the, you know, the young boundary pushing uh, white guys of comedy in the sixties and seventies across both the UK and the US, probably also here in the Antipodes. Uh, they have not been able to resolve the fact that they are no longer relevant or funny in the present day very well at all. John Cleese, who I think is one of the funniest people of all time at the peak of his powers, is just furious. Chevy Chase is another yeah, one. Yeah. He'd be the American equivalent. Yeah, it's it's got to be a hard thing to let go of, being like one of the most revered, funny people just around. Like, just... Do go quietly into that good night <laughs> and just let your legacy speak for itself. Yeah. You're fucking 70. Maybe all the interesting stuff you... Like, just enjoy the fruits of your... Say it to your grandkids. Your yeah. So there I was waking up with a hangover and I did the mental arithmetic. We were supposed to start recording at sort of um, 12.30, we decided, last night in a very um, loud bar environment. That's right. So I was like, well, fuck, i got to rip this uh, scab off pretty quick. So I jumped in the shower... And um, packed my bag and got on a lot of public transport for sort of 45 minutes. I and was, how did you find the public transport here in Melbourne? Second I, most oh, livable city in the world? Second to none. Apart from maybe Vienna. Correct. <laughs> second to one. Yeah. Um, 
It was it was great. It was very convenient, but I felt very embarrassed. I, was, I found myself turning the uh, brightness down on my screen so no one could see I was watching Sex oh, in the wow. City. Oh, you were embarrassed. I was. Second to I'm one. I'm ashamed of what we do. Second to one, the Tim Bat story. Yeah. I think you should take pride in it. I know what you're describing. I felt embarrassed watching it on a plane before because like, people think that I'm that much of a fan. We've spoken about this. But... I think there's. I, I'm. I'm trying to learn to take ownership of embarrassment, because that is where liberation lies. That is, you know, the death of the ego is where you can be free. Nice. And if you sit on a tram, yeah. loudly, publicly watching well, and loudly, enjoying no, Sex and the on. City, you're going to win on. over a lot of people. Hold if you on. take out those headphones and put it on the loudspeaker, no, you're going to be drawing in people. You're going to no. create a sense of community on the tram. No. People what, are going to be grateful for you. They're on their way to work. They're mm. thinking about something else. Suddenly, you're bringing them in saying, hey, look at this. Carrie's created an entire fictional black family <laughs> to deal with her heartbreak. <laughs> that really... Because I, f- I actually forgot until you mentioned it when I got up here, the Louise conspiracy, and then it was just in time for that scene to come on where we meet uh, Louise's presumably... Oh, younger sister or niece, maybe? Yeah. The, the grandma and her mother. And <laughs> we were just like, none of these... People are real. Uh, this the, is a complex delusion. The of amount of work that Carrie has put into this fantasy is at once heartening yeah. and terrifying. She has filled out an entire family living in St. Louis who are helping. And a boyfriend. Some yeah. other external Call, person is not even Confusingly in called Will. Well, yes, this is what I was saying during the watch, guy, is that he's called. Will is a clue. His name is a clue because Carrie has willed him into existence. Mm. He is just a figment of Will. And what I'm trying to tell you is if you're sitting on the tram, 8.45 a.m., loudly explaining to anyone <laughs> and any, everyone in earshot what you're watching, yeah. you're not going to feel embarrassed about what you're doing anymore. You're going to feel proud. Imagine if every person you've walked past, and maybe they're wearing slightly shabby clothes, like, you know, I wasn't looking my best on that tram situation. When they're talking about something, maybe they're constructing a book, a podcast series, they've delved into something, and you, you actually need to pay more attention, not less attention. Everyone tunes them out, myself included. We put on the, wow. the headphones. I want to tune in. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, if you, if you say you, you just walk up to anyone on the street... What do you think, percentage-wise, the chances are that they're going to say something you find interesting or that you could have a conversation that is mutually interesting? <sighs> Far out. How interesting? Uh, in your current state that you'd be happy to engage in? My tolerance is low at the moment because I'm a bit tired, a bit, bit bushly, but I would say the odds are about one in three. Thirty-three percent. Yeah. So you think thirty-three percent of people? Yeah. Uh, are of value. Uh, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I could. I could be interested in a one-off convo with them. Okay. What about this? Do you think you could make a conversation interesting to anyone? Um. Yeah. Well, to a greater degree than the average beer, I think. Yeah. You're smarter than the average beer. It's not intelligence, it's curiosity. I'm curious about a lot of things. What are your what are your tips and tricks? To what? Well Ask I, a lot of questions and listen to people. Find yeah. out what they're passionate about. It's the I'm interested to find out what people are passionate about. I remember when I had that discovery as well, where it's like, Well, whatever I'm the, the most interested in, everyone else is as interested as, in something as I am in that. And so if I meet them and find out what it is and just ply them with questions. Yeah. 
and like you know visual cues that I'm engaged and interested even when I'm not here's the, here's the secret I don't give a fuck a lot of the time but you, you smile and you nod and you go oh wow yeah and you can even, if you, if you feel the need to speak for yourself, you can relate it back to your own experience. You can go, well, you probably feel about this thing the same way I feel about this thing. Now we're having a conversation, baby. Magic. That's, it. That's the recipe. That's how it works. Um, you now have the ingredients to go and have a wonderful conversation with anyone. You know what struck me today, Guy? I've, I can't believe I've never thought of this before. Big's got no groomsmen. Carrie's got three of her best friends piled in the car in, um, you know, contrasting colours, but in a sort of a motif that they've figured out. And uh, Biggs just buys fucking lonesome with his driver. I know. That's it. And he chooses to isolate himself further. This is a guy who could use someone loudly watching Sex in the City on the J train. Uh, <laughs> or some groomsmen. If he had groomsmen, do you think... I mean, they would have fucking sorted him out. He just needed a friend. Yeah. Big just needs a pal. That's right. I think he has, I guess in a sense, he is always meant to be independent of, of anyone. Like he exists, you know, unto himself. And he's no man the, is an island. And I, I think know, this but, movie's proof. Yeah, because I, I, I totally agree that, you know, all of the all of the things he felt, I mean, the, the poor communication that they shared before the marriage obviously is not an ideal run-in, but everything he experienced is probably not, you know, in flashes or bursts, uncommon. But it's just if you have no outlet to sort of talk through it and solve the problem, it can yeah. just grow. Yeah. And I every week I just want him to walk down. I mean, yeah. and I know it's coming. I know. I know. I will bet you a hundred dollars. Yeah. By the end of the season, that big walks down the aisle at the hour mark into the movie. I'll, Once. I'll, yeah. I'll be you a hundred dollars. He walks down the aisle. That big will get married me. to Carrie the first time around in one Folks, of these. Folks, you can't see is Guy Montgomery has extended his delusional hand to me to try and solidify this deal. I can't. This is this is like making a deal with the mentally deficient. I no, can't do this. Absolutely not. Take this the feels, take the bet. This feels immoral. If you're, so, if you're so sure about yourself, take the bet. Yeah, I owe you twenty bucks. By the way, I can't remember what the bet was, but I made a bet with you on the podcast. I think you owe me 20 bucks and an extra screening of Sex in the City. Oh. Do you remember what it was, what the bet was? Absolutely not. So, someone will know. If you could please um, tweet at us, that would probably be the best way. Um, that would be great. Just remind us of what happened. <laughs> I was wrong about something. I owe you 20 bucks, which I think I've got in my pocket. I'll give it to you at oh, the end of this. I was defiantly proud. Um, so how was your watch before I arrived when I was on the public transport? Really sad. So I'm living with uh, some of our little empire brethren. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got the male gazer here. Alice Sneddon is here. We've got a pretty full house of guests at the moment. And um, they were all, they'd borrowed a convertible from Alice's friend Morgan. A and car? They, yep. They Soft get, top. They were going to drop the top and they were heading out to the beach. <gasps> And uh, as they were all leaving, I was just sitting in my bed. No. I'd uncorked Sex in the City. Oh, my God. And I was God, saying to I'm anyone so and everyone, I was saying, come in, guys, watch this. You're going to love this. And they would say, they'd say, no. And I'd say, come on. And they'd say, no, this is your decision. And I'd say, guys, you're going to love this movie. It's actually a good movie. And they'd say, no, we're going to go and look at the water. That I, breaks my heart that you are not at the beach. I didn't know that. You've been working so hard over here. 
Fuck, man. I'm going to cry. No, no, don't don't <laughs> cry. It's so this is sad. A, this is before we stumbled into the Louise conspiracy theory in the last episode. This is what I was trying to say to you. I am honestly is welling that up that you're not at the beach. I know. Well, it's fine because... This is devastating look, to me. 34 floors up. I can end this thing whenever I want. <laughs> but the thing is... This is what I was. Oh, in, I, I lived in fear of. It's like all, already I struggle to... And this is through no one's fault but my own. Like it's... I find it difficult in the throes of the festival to uh, wrestle total control of my time and decision making. Like there's there's always something owed to someone else. There's always something that is that is meant to or needs to be done. Yeah. And so your arrival for how excited I am to see Tim and like oh man, remember the start of the season? Do you remember those guys? Because they were not these guys. You're right. And so when you were coming, I knew you were coming, and I'm obviously always excited to see you and spend time with you, but I was like, well, that is like all those pockets of time which I barely had control over. Yeah. Those are now, they're our time. And our time should <laughs> technically be yeah. the best time because yeah. we've got a lot in common. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do. If we have a conversation, chances are it's going to be fun. But we've limited the value of our time to, and this is exactly... <laughs> I spoke to Tom Walker recently. Mm-hmm. And he was Famous t- Australian comedian. He was telling Fantastic me, friend man. of the podcast, he was telling me about when he listened to the start of this season. And he could see something that I think everyone who's listening right now could see and that neither of us were aware of, which is we were saying we miss each other, we want to hang out. And Tom was saying, no, 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 no. This no, isn't no. it, boys. This isn't it. Just have a phone call. Yeah. And... And he's right. He's right. But we're here. There is something, uh, because I know that um, what you're describing so far describes the entire podcast project, which we've been doing for several years now. But there really is something very different about the two watches per week. The pressure on our time as a result of that is, uh, is dicey. Oh, um, yeah. I'm alright with it it's it's okay especially I feel a, a very strong commitment now based on the fact that um, we've we've got a little machine going you know people are contributing money to us through the Patreon which I am eternally grateful for we've, we've got a couple ads running um, we've got to stay on top of it I get it's, it's essentially work now um, <laughs> but it is psychically very damaging to be going toe to toe with Carrie and the gals this frequently I know, and it, it's, I mean, <laughs> lessons, literally the, the refusal to learn lessons is admirable <laughs> because it is, it's not even, it's not even the practice of doing it twice a week, it's the length. Yeah. It's, it's two and a half hours plus an hour for record, set up and dismantle. So it's, it's, it's three and a half hours yeah. out of a day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but. But it, it is, it is folks. Well, I mean, not not to people who work. I guess it's not if you work at you know nine to five. What a yeah. way to make a living! Yeah, yeah. But it's just like we do need to check our privilege a little bit. Things wow. could absolutely be worse. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, things could be so much worse. No one's asked for this. It's the it's it's the comparative thing, isn't it? Working happiness nine to is five. drawn from where you're at in your community. The people you're surrounded by, what your position is in there. And they, they, people talk about this when you become a millionaire. 
that when you're in the low millions, it's actually like really hard because you're suddenly in this sort of another echelon or tier of people that you're with by virtue of probably where you live. You're an expensive property. You're an expensive area. Um, suddenly you're thrust into a world full of yachts, expensive vacations, holiday homes, complicated tax structures you've got to outrun. And just a, a whole. A that's, oh, by schools. the way, that's a very important note: is you do have to outrun them. Do not just pay whatever the amount of tax you're being asked to. No, no. Spend all of your spare time finding loopholes and escape hatches. Yeah. Panama. That's right. We're still appealing to our one libertarian listener, and I would like to say this: evade tax at all costs. Oh, I am not co-signing that. This is we Tim Bat saying I do not co-sign. Against paying your fair share of tax at the worst idea of all time. No, oh, you've put it forward as a whole show ideology, haven't you? You've done it now, Monty. Um, Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're in the low millions, you still feel poor because you're having to buy so much shit and pay for so much expensive shit that you actually don't have is any it, money. Is this a created analogy or is this something that you've this read is real. or you, you know of? It's a real thing. Oh, well, apparently, I've read about it ages ago. Are you a millionaire? Is this your coming out party? Yes. How'd you do and it? it's hard. How'd it's you so do it? Hard. Was it by not paying tax? Uh, yeah. That's the secret, everybody. A, um, but I also, I remember, I, did, I didn't finish this book, but I did start it. Nice. Um, Nelson Mandela's, Shout out to books. <laughs> Nelson Mandela's wife wrote a book, and she talks about at the start of it how the happiest people she's ever met are field workers like doing manual labor jobs because they were surrounded by people in the exact same situation and they're just like this is this is our whole world this is us and they kind of like just got on and they sort of i think it's that that human connection thing i have strayed so far from the original point i was making i don't even know what the fuck i'm talking oh, about no, but it's the the folly of humanity is you know measuring yourself against anyone else ever i think but it's, is, na- it's what we all do. it's like that's where know, happiness that, comes from that way lies madness man yeah or like because you know no one cares about you as much as you and i just think uh it's a it's an easy trap to fall into that's speci- powerful that's especially a powerful thing in the entertainment no one cares more about you than you well apart from if you're in love well done no 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 no. what you're saying is very insightful uh, i'm not trying to pick holes in it i think it's quite profound you're right everyone's so busy worrying about themselves that you you don't need to worry about well, what like, other people think of yeah, you par- paranoia is born out of like egomania mm. Because, you know, to be paranoid is to believe that your life is that valuable or interesting that other people are specifically working within their own lives to do something to impact you. But that's not the case at all. They're flat out. No one is noticing the way you dance at a disco because they're also dancing. That's what I think. This is good stuff. We're on the balcony. I don't know if we mentioned that before, but we're actually like overlooking... 
34 floors up. Can yeah. you believe it? That would be the case if we were inside as well, though. But we're outside. Yep. If you can hear traffic noise and construction, that's... They don't even have a restrictive is. barrier. What no. they put up barely reaches my hips. Oh, God. Okay, I'm looking out. I, I should take these glasses off. Do you know, Tim? Fuck, that is mass vertigo. That is making me feel ill. If Every you single down. morning, I get up and I walk out onto this balcony and I look over it and I think it really just is that easy. Far out. So I think, like, you know, I, I, I might have said this before, but anyone who says that they've never considered, not even in actuality, but anyone who says they've never considered, you know, killing themselves, what they're really saying is that they've never walked over a decent-sized bridge. Yeah. They've never been 34 floors up on the balcony in the middle of a comedy festival. That, um... I think, though, the thing is, I know that as soon as I was in free fall, I'd be like, oh, no. I've cooked it. I've made a mistake. <laughs> There's a there's a name for it, I think. That feeling, I don't know what it is. It's, it's so prolific. It's so like common that feeling oh, of looking out over absolute, a high. Absolutely, yeah. and it doesn't even need to be entirely, you know, tied up in the the, the mental side. Not of at it. all. It's not it's like your like, emotional state. It's some weird. It's a curiosity weird. built around, you know, the limitations of the human body and physics. <laughs> yeah, let's test some things. There is a part of me, not now, I'm too old now, but when I was younger, mm. I genuinely would have thought that if I just bent my knees on impact... <laughs> a 34-floor <laughs> drop. Shin splints at worst, but otherwise I could walk it off. My word. Guy, it's a wonder you've made it to 30. Happy yep. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> oh, what else happens in the movie? <laughs> Um, I was thinking about some stuff today. What was it? What were some other notes? Well, should we delve into some shining lights? Absolutely. I've wanted to say it for so long. Carrie skips over a puddle. She's wearing shoes that I wouldn't wear, but in the same way I like to leap over puddles if I am in a in a city or town or a place where it's recently rained. Sort of just like you you put your you bring your feet right to the precipice of where the puddle would make your toes wet. Yeah. And you push off and you land on the other side and it's a great feeling. You feel athletic, um, even if it's not a particularly athletic manoeuvre. And she does it on the way to meet uh, her alter ego Will. Louise and the partner for whom she's created for her alter ego Will. And every week I love it this week. I love it so much, I'm going to tell you about it. This, of course, only happens when I'm not in town with you, whereupon I would lay my jacket down on top of the puddle for you to walk across. Yes, 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 yes. yes. As is custom. You love you love getting your clothes wet. For you. In general, you just love... You love wet denim, eh? It's not that I love wet denim, it's that I hate dry denim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and there's not a lot of alternatives it's to that. It's a subtle but important distinction. I'll use whatever I have around me as well. If I'm in a cafe, I'll throw cold coffee on there or water if they've got a jug. If I'm walking down the street, I will piss myself. I won't tolerate dry clothes. It's disgusting, but I respect a man who knows what he wants. I'm going to borrow a little bit from a potential shining light you mentioned. You... Um, Oh, wait, maybe not, actually. I like the snow in the New Year's Eve montage that Carrie's walking through when she has 48 minutes to get from her place to Brooklyn. Where, where is she? She's in Manhattan, right? Yeah, yeah. No, well, she's, and she's, actually, she's just going down to lower Manhattan. She's not going to Brooklyn. It's 11, 12 p.m. What? She's going to visit Miranda. Miranda's not in Brooklyn, remember. Miranda moves into old Ukraine near Chinatown on the Lower East Side. Oh, she was in Brooklyn. She moved out of Brooklyn. Yeah. True. Yeah, her good and point. Steve have a pretty big spat. Yeah, I remember that. He, he fucked Smith Jarrett. I, uh, and Smith yeah. Jarrett fucked him. I liked the snow. 
and I think it's probably fake and there's a lot of it and it's definitely a practical effect ah uh, you like well yeah they, they probably did the snow budget before they did the autumnal leaves budget I'm sure we all know they were pretty thin on the ground Whoop. not enough leaves for you eh you bit Never. gassy you are smashing a beer at the ripe old t- oh it's fucking ten past one I thought it was still the morning no no Jesus no, no, no. this is <laughs> time gets treated very differently inside this project doesn't it well the whole idea of time and days of the weeks has literally been stripped to nut to nothing yeah. by my book um I'd like to talk about something which I think might be part of the reason that Brady is such a damaged child and acts out the uh, way that he does eventually. Can we please talk about the children? Brady Hobbs is five years old in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's not the most intelligent five-year-old. No. no. But by the same token, he's also not the, the, the most dense. He might be. But in spite of that, Steve and... By virtue of silent compliance, Miranda continue to refer to Brady as the baby. Yeah. If you're calling your child who's five years old a baby, that's going to create some long-lasting. Brady is not even a toddler. No, he's a child. Yeah, he's a kid. You can't refer to a five-year-old as a baby without thinking that it's going to stunt their development in some way. And I mean, to be fair, I think the reason he wins the science fair with his rat maze or mouse maze, you know two years on that's not because it's genuinely more impressive than someone who's explaining what static electricity is in a way that both five-year-olds eight-year-olds ten-year-olds and adults can understand and engage with and retain it's out of sympathy he's not given that first place ribbon because of how successful or brilliant his science experiment was he's given that because he's been mollycoddled his whole life he's got no fucking idea what real achievements are and he's, he's got uh, an inflated sense of self is it a worry to you that I had forgotten about that whole science fair thing for a movie that I've seen 52 no, times? No. It's a worry to me that I remember it. <laughs> I envy you. Cool, man. Because I did for- I remember it now that you've said it, but I was like, what are you talking what about? What is static electricity? And the winner is Brady Hobbs for his mouse maze. Woo! This is how you create an anti-hero. Take me back to the rainbow. That rainbow, rainbow magic. magic. Rainbow, rainbow, rainbow rainbow's end. That rainbow magic. magic. Great, Great time. Fuck. At rainbow's end. I was on and off the tram on that one with you. What do you like about this city? I'm cooking out here, by the way. I'm roasting. It's hot today. Yeah. Uh, I love, I, lo- I I love the the cafe culture. You know, I love cafes. You do. You love to eat out. I love the uh, power of public transport. I love. I've got a, a huge number of friends that live here now. I love the botanical gardens. I run around them most days. Uh I I just generally like the size of Melbourne. It's got the, you know, all of the amenities of a proper, you know, metropolitan city with the the comfort of a of a smaller place that feels like home. And uh, I don't know. I often wonder if I moved to Australia where it would be. Melbourne's up there, but Ray Badrin raised a very good point. He said, if you're going to move, he's living in London though. So if you're going to move back to Australia, yeah. If you move to Melbourne, it's just a smaller representation of what a big international city is. Like, you're not moving back to Australia for Australia's sake. If you move to Sydney, 
in that instance you're going to at least get to enjoy all the things that do separate Australia from somewhere like England which is like the climate the beaches you know access to beautiful bodies of water in which you can refresh yourself the thing about Sydney is and I I lived there a very long time ago like 10 years ago just for six months but it, it's fucking expensive to live there big and time. just exist big time if you want to have any fun in Sydney you better be earning some serious coin well do you know one of the most efficient ways to earn money don't pay any tax avoid tax that's right <laughs> With your help, single libertarian listener, we will shrink government to a size where we can crush it under our boot. <laughs> that is the ultimate goal of this podcast project. Four years in the making, and finally we can speak freely as we've whittled away at our listenership until the only one dedicated and true listener remains. We're going to rally the troop, for there is only one, and we need only one. Fuck, man. I don't have I don't have anything else to say about this film, which is a concern because we're putting on a live show in a few days here oh. in Melbourne. By the time you listen to this episode comes out, um, that will have only just happened, but it will be on the other side of it. What is there more to say? I'm not too worried about that, Tim. <laughs> I'm not worried about any of this. I I think. Um, do you reckon Samantha's going to eventually regret her decision to break up with Smith? Do you think she's going to get to age, let's say, 68? And I really hate to say this, but I, I think this is steeped in medical fact. The fact that she's had cancer once, I think, increases the likelihood that it will come back later on. Oh. And to be honest, when you're in a situation where you're you're up against it, you want to have a partner there with you. You want to have a... A person who's she, on your side in a big way. She's a strong, independent woman. Clearly, that is true. I, uh, I think there'll be flashes of regret, but ultimately, I think she feels good within herself about the decision. Yeah. And uh, I think you know, and I, I think that isn't even from a selfish place. I think she feels good about the decision because it was the right thing to do for both parties. You know, yeah, that's a good point. The moment isn't always pleasant, but ultimately she's setting Smith free to find someone who loves him the way he needs to be loved. That is such a good point. And he is, uh, you know, he's, he's a hunk and he's handsome and he plays a doctor on TV and he probably yeah. gets all sorts of different people throwing themselves at him. Yeah. But ultimately he's a sensitive new age guy who needs someone who's as invested in the relationship as he is. And him and Samantha share a healthy working relationship. She works on his next film. The one where he had to fly to the Middle East to shoot the movie poster <laughs> in front of a green screen. <laughs> now, if we want to talk about complicated tax structures, I think that is certainly one of them. When you've got to burn so much cash that you're funding a bunch of people to go to the Middle East versus shooting against a green screen, oh, that's my kind of fraud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that's, we're cooking. We're talking about the upper echelons of fraud. Uh, before we get out of here, I'd we're like to ask you We're not getting out of here. We've been talking to 32 minutes. That's ages, man. <laughs> That feels like seven hours. Is there anyone who you'd like to get licked this week? Yeah. It's Mr. Big. Oh, no. What's he done? It's just a fuck, man. I, I know that earlier today I said that he probably needed some groomsmen, some friends to help him through this time. But it's almost a reflection that in his late, late 50s, I want to say. Seems to be like 58, something around there. If he doesn't kind of know that about himself and is willing to 
acknowledge the personal flaws that he has that can only be filled out by having a bit of love and support around him and then sort of nourishing that running with that then that's still kind of his fault Mm. the fact that he hurts Carrie so much um, sure maybe if there was a friend there you know it wouldn't have happened but guess what it's sort of his responsibility to know that about himself and to, to put some people around him I reckon that the conception of the film I Love You Man starring Paul Rudd and Jason Segel was probably in the back of watching this. And they thought, well, what say Big was a developed enough character to identify flaws within himself and his personality and needed to recruit a groomsman? That's one thing I would be curious about in the series is whether or not he has friends throughout that. Because it seems to me his friends are just, you know, vague connections to acquaintances, usually partners of partners. Yeah. I don't think he has any friends in the TV show because... He asked the jerk from his office to his rehearsal dinner. Yeah, exactly. Carl, but he is a partner. You're fit on the ground if you're asking colleagues out of obligation. Um, For your... Yeah, for your engagement. What is that? It's called called a rehearsal dinner. Rehearsal dinner, right. Um, That is... Yeah, things are pretty thin on the ground when you're inviting Carl. A known asshole. Yeah to come dine with you the night before your big day because presumably that means he's definitely at the wedding and he's probably got a good seat come fly with me let's fly let's fly away are you thinking about going off, for a fly off the balcony absolutely it's very dark I, I don't think we should uh, we sh- certainly shouldn't do it no no I'm not we sure won't that we should talk it. about it either it's just I know we shouldn't but you know you watch Sex in the City for the 33rd time hey yeah. It's a shame it wasn't the 34th time. 34th floor. Yeah, hey. that is, if you look over it, you do hey. get chronic 30, vertigo, eh? Oh, man. It makes me physically ill doing that. Guy is just looking straight down now. Got his head leaned over the uh, very concerningly low barrier that they've got. It only comes up to his waist, to his belly button. So there's there's really no... Um, it's There'd a be no stopping someone It's if a they beautiful day in Melbourne City Town. If we put a pin in this, I've got to be somewhere in an hour, but, you know, we could go and get a coffee together. Fuck. Fuck off. That'd be so good. God, that'd be nice. Guys, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm depriving you of a good five, maybe ten minutes of podcast, but we're damaged and we need to go heal ourselves, much like Big needs yeah, to. So, to all of our listener, you've been licked. This is the Frosty Fellas <laughs> signing off. We just have a good rhythm together. He sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it.